Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. If you give me 20 minutes, I will tell you what leadership and pornography have in common. Stay tuned. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fire Facilities Incorporated, expert engineers, designers, and manufacturers of steel training towers, burn rooms, and mobile units that are all made in the USA. Okay. First off, thanks for giving me a little bit of your time. What do pornography and leadership have in common? So back in 1964, Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart was like deciding on a pornography case. And he basically said, you know, I don't know how to tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. And I feel like leadership is the same way. I can't tell you the ingredients, but I can I can point it out when I see it. Um, and I can do the same thing for shitty leadership, too. I can say, wow, that's really bad leadership. I know this because I've been on both sides of the coin. My struggle with leadership came quite a few years ago where I decided I really wanted to step it up and be better at my job, be a better leader. Um, but I, I, And I read all the right books and everything and read all the right articles, but I just saw this as somebody else's experience. None of it really rang true to me. I felt like I was missing a foundation, um, just something, some, something to build this house of leadership on. And I struggled with this. I thought about it day and night, and it just one day it came to me. And it's exampleship, the pyramid of exampleship. And it consists of three legs. And those three legs are pride, training, and physical fitness. That was my end to everybody else's leadership experience, which I could really connect with. So my thought, and I wrote an article, I'll, I'll link the article uh, down in the description and I'll put it up on my uh, social media. But basically, I decided that every leader had to have these three things in common. And from there, it, then they started building their own experience, their own area, um, a, a, their own rank. But I really thought that if you worked on pride, training, and physical fitness every day, every single day, just a little bit at a time, that people would see you do this. And when people saw that you cared and that you're improving, they can't help but follow. And again, from that that foundation, you can build up into every other aspect of the fire service. So that was my end with leadership. So let's talk a little bit about the leadership throughout the ranks. First, let's talk about the chiefs, right? Leadership is different. I, some people might disagree with me. Leadership is different when it comes to a chief, a battalion chief, a captain and below, right? That's what I believe. And here's some of my examples. So I worked, I've worked for some of the best fire chiefs. And in the past 28 years, I have worked with some of the shittiest fire chiefs. And it's not loving or hating a fire chief because those are both, they involve emotion. The worst ones are the chiefs that I'm completely apathetic to. I, these chiefs are so bad. I don't care if they get hit by a bus or if they win the lottery. They have done things that I'm just like, no, absolutely not. So I'm going to tell you some of the stories of some of the really good, of a really good fire chief and, and one of the really worst chiefs I ever worked for. So one of my first good chief stories was when I worked in Lexington, Kentucky. I worked for, let's see, two fire chiefs over a period of uh, eight years. And one of the best fire chiefs was Bill Holleran. Bill Holleran was a very fair person. He was a very level-headed person. Um, but you got to keep in mind that Lexington had about 400, 500 firefighters. 
at the time. Uh, they had 18, 19 firehouses. So you didn't see the chief on the reg. Um, now, I was my first year, I was stationed down in admin. So uh, the admin building station one um, on engine one. So I did get to see the chief a little more often than others. But still, you wouldn't talk to him. It wasn't like, you know, hey, Chief Holler is just he's a busy man. I was a brand new guy. So I just try to avoid him. So I never really had any serious conversations with the guy, but I really liked him. I saw how he handled himself, how he handled other firefighters, how he handled the fire service in general, and I liked it. Well, one day he comes down the stairs, uh, and I'm standing there. I can't really, you know, run away, <laughs> be afraid. And he says, I'll never forget it. He asked me how my wife was doing. He knew my two kids at the time. Uh, he asked me how they were doing. And I know for a fact I never once brought their names up or the fact that I had children to this chief. So somehow, some way, he, ha he had to learn about me. And then he found the perfect time to bring it up and ask me how I'm doing. I felt like my chief cared about me. And that was, that I never disliked him in the beginning. I, I like him very much. But when that happened, I was like, that's a leader, man. That's a leader. It's leading is not just, you know, being great at the fire scene or being great in the firehouse. Leading is maybe a bunch of million little things that add up to make a good leader. Now, on the other side of that, a terrible fire chief. Uh, this fire chief was known to be the oldest fire chief in this particular area uh, where I was at. And my story with him is I never, ever saw him unless he was smoking. If he was smoking, he would come out and he would say things that were questionable. And then one morning particular after shift change, I was sitting out front of the firehouse waiting for my ride. Um, and he let go of a diatribe of racism that would make Archie Bunker blush. And I was brand new. I was uncomfortable. I couldn't wait for my wife to pick me up. And from that point forward, I saw him in a different light. So you can kind of see how small moments can really make you look at a leader differently. So Chief Holleran knew my name, knew my wife's name and my kid's name. And I looked at him differently, like he cared. The other person told me this story, and I was like, holy cow, that was terrible. Um, I've had some really great fire chiefs on this podcast. If you haven't listened to them, please do. They deserve to be heard. Um, one of them is Chief Brandon Skaggs from Clarksville, Indiana. I've always been a fan of his. Uh, I've known him for years. I like how he talks about his people. I like how engaged he gets. I like how involved he is in small details. That, to me, says he cares. Uh, the other one is uh, Chief Steve McGean from McCallowit. Uh, this guy, he, I'm telling you, if he doesn't write a book or uh, you know, design a program to go around the country with, he's wasting, he's wasting some talent because this guy was great. We go up to a Callowit, all he does is talk about his people. His pronouns were always them, they. I, I don't know that I ever heard him say me or I, unless he was like, you know, hey, I'm going to buy you a beer, which I never disagreed with. I always thought that was a very friendly thing. It might be a Canadian thing. I don't know. Didn't know at the time. I don't know in the future, but I'll make sure he buys all my beer. Great guy. Talked about his people. He would come down. He would have uh, coffee with him in the morning and not even talk about fire stuff. Just kind of be like, hey, how are you doing? How's your family doing? You know, how, did you get your car fixed? Whatever it is, because he cared. When it comes to a fire chief, you got to have a leader that cares. 
I don't care if they have they they have the biggest budget. I don't care if you got the best trucks in the world. I don't care if you got the best training facility in the world. If your chief doesn't care, it's almost all for naught. Good friend of mine quit the fire department. I went to his lunch. I was the only person at his goodbye lunch. And he told me, he said, Jake, I just want my boss to give a shit about me. And that has always stuck in my head. So we beat up on the chiefs a little bit. Let's let's uh, talk about battalion chiefs. I'm talking about a battalion chief with a battalion. I'm a battalion chief. I don't have a battalion. I'm a battalion of one. Battalion chiefs are really, truly stuck in the middle because they are the front line for admin. Whatever the chief, deputy chief, assistant chief, whatever policies they put out, however good or however bad they are, they have to sell them, whether they like them or not. And in that regards, captains and and BCs are, are very similar. Now, Having been part of a bunch of battalion chief meetings, I know you can tell by the looks on some people's faces where they disagree with the policy, but I also see them out online enforcing the policy. So I kind of have respect for that. I have a, a, a battalion chief in mind that I currently work with that he's fairly new battalion chief, but he hit the ground running. And I have so much respect for this guy because he treats everybody the same. He has high expectations. He has set these goals for his entire crew and he, and he wants them to meet these expectations. He, he doesn't mess around. Um, and I like that. You know, I, I like, we're, we're a paramilitary environment. You know, you, you don't have, I mean, you should be able to read a policy and say, Hey, this is how I wear my uniform. And a battalion chief should come up to you when you're not and say, Hey, you're not wearing a uniform. It should be that simple. Leadership in the fire service, I think, is difficult because as you progress up through the ranks, you know these people. You you know their kids. You know their wives. You know what their house looks like sometimes, how much money they have, what struggles they're having. And then you got to come to work and sometimes, quote, unquote, be the bad guy, which I don't believe in. If you break a rule, that's on you. It's not on them for, for busting you on that. Um, now, I have seen... We're talking about bad battalion chiefs now. I I cannot stand when battalion chiefs take other people's information from other depart- stations and then goes and tells other people. That drives me up a wall. It drives me crazy, though. It drives me crazy. Now, let me flip the coin a little bit and tell you about an excellent battalion chief. Another one, this one was in Lexington. He was my first captain, Greg Stapleton, and then he became my major. And he would come by the firehouse. All the majors came by the firehouse every day and talk to everybody. They would all come up and he would let them know what's going on, uh, you know, what's going on for the day, training, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as a nice, formal, informal way to see what's going on in the fire department. Well, I was starting to fill my oats at this point. He'd already been my first captain. Now he's my major. So I felt like, oh, yeah, we're buddies and all this stuff. And and I asked him about and I, to this day, I cannot remember what it was. But let's just say it was a, a personnel issue at Station 8, which is not even in our district. And it wasn't that firehouse. Um, I do remember that. And he got real serious in front of everybody. He said, it's not my job to spread other people's business to you. If you're so concerned about what's going on, I highly recommend you call them and find out. He put me in my place. And I remember, even though my tail was between my legs, I always I remember going, wow, that guy, (laughs) he's a leader. He don't play the fuck around game. Mad respect. Um, I lost touch with the guy, but he was. Just one of the absolute best leaders there was. One of the best firefighters there ever was. 
Now let's let's talk about captains for a little bit. Captains are they really got it tough. So the battalion chiefs got it rough because they're the they're the front line for the chiefs and the admin, but they also are sort of separated. They're in that that nebulous between rank and file and admin, you know. But the captains, the captains, they've got to eat with their crew and whatever their crews in the house. And they, you know, they got to, when their family comes at night, they've got to say hi to the wives and hi to the kids. Uh, and if that captain has had to discipline, you know, that guy earlier in the day, I could see that being a somewhat difficult, right? But a captain has to support absolutely the policies in place for the fire department. It's not the captain's job to decide whether a policy should be or shouldn't be followed. If he has any issues with it, he should go to the battalion chief privately, express his concerns. Maybe he gets, you know, to hold court with the chiefs. Maybe he gets to change a policy, but maybe not. At that point, it's the captain's job to sell this to his guys. Now, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing in the world. He should act like it's like super duper. Hey, guys, we get to dig a ditch. Yay. Nothing like that. We used to hang up Christmas lights in uh, my fire department I'm at now, and it drove me nuts. I hated it. I complained about it. I was the biggest whiner ever. How I didn't get punched in the mouth, I don't know. Looking back on that, I really wish I just shut up and did my job. My captain didn't complain about it. He just said, we're going to go do this, and that's what we did. Uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about really good leadership is uh, Steve. Um, Steve, oh, shoot, he's going to kill me. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it in, in a minute. Anyway, it was in Lexington and he was my lieutenant. And he became my captain. And he, I was complaining about the other shifts because I swear it's like they were shaving their pubes in the bathroom. And every day I had to clean the bathroom. That was my job. And I would just complain and complain and complain. And uh, finally, Steve pulled me aside and he wasn't mad. He didn't raise his voice. He said, what is your job in the morning? I said, to, to clean the bathrooms. He goes, is there anything in the policies that says, you only have to clean them if they're super dirty or no, my job's to cleaning it. And he said, Gillum, that's his name, Steve Gillum. He said, just do your job. Don't worry about the other shifts. Just worry about us on today. This is our responsibility, no matter who made the mess. And that really stuck with me. And matter of fact, that was one of those uh, moments in my career where I felt like there was a shift in my career. I was like, I recognized what a crybaby I was being. And I also recognized I don't have to be a crybaby anymore. Fantastic captain. Love the guy. So now let's drop down to sergeants. The most overlooked rank in the fire department. To me, the absolute 100%, no argument, hands down, most technical job in the fire service ever. I think that the, the driver operator, your sergeant, pump operator, whatever you call him, is the most important job in the fire service. Go ahead, debate amongst yourselves. I'll tell you you're wrong here in a second. Okay, you're done debating? You're wrong. Think about this. Nobody, and I mean nobody, gets to the fire unless that sergeant knows the quickest and best route and the safest route. Nobody gets to go pull hose or use tools on that fire unless the, the driver operator sergeant has checked them out, has kept them up to snuff, knows exactly where they are, and also he has to pump and do everything else. And after, when everybody's inside fighting fire and the pump is set, he can throw ladders. He can be a second set of eyes for the incident commander. You'll never, ever make me think that the sergeant or driver operator isn't the most important job on, on the fire ground or even in the fire service. Just, I just don't believe it. Now, let's, let's 
Trip on down to the last level. By me, by no means the worst. The firefighter. The firefighter. The, the lowest rank, the, the lowest person on the fire department, they can lead from the bottom up easily. Matter of fact, I work with some firefighters that have zero rank and are some of the best leaders I've ever seen. Matter of fact, there's, I hopefully will be retired, but I see some new guys. I say new, five years, six years, stuff like that, 10 years, um, that I'm excited to see them become sergeants and captains and battalion chiefs and, and Lord knows what. I work with some great people that are just ready there. Well, when I travel around, I meet firefighters that are just amazing. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not a chief. No, no, I'm a firefighter. You're, I mean, just intelligent, passionate, moving forward. They're setting, it, they're setting the bar so high that people coming up behind them just try their hardest to reach it. I just, I, I, just, I love it. I love it. So there's leadership at every rank. you got to find your way into it. You have to find your way into leadership. And leadership is a fluid, dynamic thing, right? It's not like it just, oh, okay, you, you close a book and you go, boom, all right, I'm done. I'm a leader now. A leader a leader probably has made more mistakes than they care to, to, to own up to, but that's how you do it, right? Just think about being a parent. I'm not saying kids or firefighters are children. That's not the, the, the thing I'm trying to say here. What I'm saying is the connection to somebody you care about and that you're in charge of is very similar. So you wouldn't let your kids go and do things that you knew were bad for them. Same with leaders in the fire department. They're not going to let their crew or, or their or their people with them do bad things. That's a leader. A leader doesn't need rank. A leader doesn't need a degree. A leader doesn't need to go to FDTN, although they probably should. A leader is somebody that is passionate, caring, Loves the job and puts citizens first. That's a leader. So let me offer you this, okay? Let's wrap this up with a little bit of advice, and I'll tell you a little bit about how I did it uh, just by reading over and over. So I reread all the stuff. I reread after I figured out my into it. I reread Salka. I reread Brutusini. I reread Lasky. But let me tell you, there's some guys out there right now that are writing books about leadership that blow me away. Jared Sergi, he was my first person on this podcast. His book was so good at motivating me to do a podcast. Coralie Moore, you know Coralie. Come on, Firehouse Vigilance, the weekly scrap. If they make them better than Coralie, I don't think I want to meet them. You also got Josh Chase. Now, let me tell you this. Josh Chase, he wrote a great book. Well, he's written a bunch of books. The book that really sticks in my mind is Jump Seat Leadership. You don't have to have rank to be a leader. So take this podcast. Think about it. Do me a favor. I would love to hear from you. If you like my podcast, uh, my all my in contact info is going to be in the description. Please, if somebody needs to hear this, please share it. And that's it, brother. You guys have a great day. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate this. This was a lot of fun for me. I hope you liked it. And there's going to be more of these to come. Take care. Stay safe, brothers and sisters. Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures and mobile units for 30 years. Make training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.